So how many of you are, uh, are kind of sad to see 2017 fade away? <laughs> how, many of you, how many of you are kind of glad to see it get out of here? All right. So nobody liked 2017. So you're excited about 2018. So how many of you like change in general? Rita says, no, do not, she's not doing it, she's not doing change. How many of you, when you think about change, it brings you excitement, hope, you're curious to see what's going to happen, and how many of you, when you hear change, it brings fear, it brings anxiety, you're nervous about what what that new thing, year, place is. Isn't it interesting how different people have the same thing, the same, or have different feelings about the same, the same thing? You know, it kind of depends on, on what it is, I think, that we all change. Sometimes we have that, that excitement. Sometimes we're, we're curious or we're hopeful. But oftentimes there's a lot of nervousness, isn't there? with change. Well, here's one thing I know for sure. 2018 will be different than 2017. I hate to break this to you, but there is going to be change in your life in 2018. Now, I don't know what that change is going to be, but I can promise you this, there will be change in 2018, for you as an individual, for you as a family, for us as a body, there's going to be change. There are going to be some of you that right now, December of 2017, are going to be in a different job, December 2018. And there are probably some here that don't even know that yet. I don't know anything. I'm not, I'm just, I'm just saying. There are going to be some of you, your families change in some way, shape, form, or fashion. There are going to be additions, maybe, in some families in 2018. And more than likely, in some of our families in 2018, there could be some that, that we lose in 2018. In our body, there are going to be additions in 2018. And more than likely, there are going to be some that that God calls maybe to another body or to move somewhere else, to move away in 2018. Change is kind of hard, isn't it? Change is, sometimes we're not comfortable with it, because we like to get in these, you know, I can remember when the, when our kids, when the twins were, were babies, I try not to think about it much, but <clears throat> when I do think about it, 
I can remember these times. It seemed like, you know, you go through all these stages of, you know, the types of food that they eat, and then it's like, now we're up to this kind of food, and that's good for this. And it was like all these different stages, and we'd finally get in this routine of where maybe people are napping at the same time, or they're doing, you know, we would just tell Claire that you're going to have nap time. And I don't care what you do, but you're staying in your room for an hour. And so, and there would be these, these, we would get in a groove where it's like, okay, things are going well now. And then all of a sudden, what, that would last a week maybe? And then something changes. And now we're re, I mean, those of you who have little kids, you know what I'm talking about. You know, bedtime starts like at 4 p.m. The process, you know, to get people fed and bathed and all that sort of thing. And it's like you're finally by 8 o'clock, you've got it. It's a four-hour block of your day that everything else revolves around. And so that, that's kind of what change was like, and I used to hate that when there would be this. We would finally get to a place that was comfortable, we felt like we were grooving, and then there was a change. But if there had to have been that change, I wouldn't have 12-year-olds today. I'd still have those newborns. Thank the Lord there was change. Right? While it was uncomfortable at the time, I hated going through that shift. If I hadn't have gone through the change, I never get to the point where they get to just go get ready for bed. And you just tell them to go, and they just go, and they don't run off and do it. I, I, I want to caution you, though, and challenge you to not be so comfortable with where you are. Don't be so afraid of change that you stay there. That you just stay in that stage of your Christian life, that you don't stay in that stage with your family, with your marriage, with whatever it is as a body, wherever it is that you are, don't be afraid to grow with that change. I want to look at, look at an Old Testament passage where there was some change and how two different groups of people dealt with it. But then what I really want to do is just Really briefly this morning, kind of give you guys some, uh, we're going to be in the book of Psalms a lot this morning, to give you some encouragement about what believers, what we need to look for, what we need to remember in times of change. What we need to remember in times of change. But first, let's go to, turn to Ezra. Ezra chapter 3. Ezra's a book in the Old Testament. We don't often get into it. But there's something interesting here I want us to see. Now, the story that we're, that we're looking at and the brief little, little snippet that I, that I want us to, to kind of dive into for, for just a moment deals with the, the Jewish people and the rebuilding of the temple there in, in Jerusalem. They're, they're rebuilding the temple that you know Solomon had built. And what do we know about Solomon's temple, the one that he built for God? What are some things you know about it, just from your, from your study, from your reading of Old Testament? Okay, let's, let's do multiple choice. How about that? Was it big or was it small? It's large, wasn't it? Was it grandiose or was it simple? It was grandiose, wasn't it? I mean, you look in the, in the Old Testament scriptures about it, and just the materials that were used were incredible. Were they not? 
I think the, the building price was like well over in the billions of dollars. If you were to take that, that same plans and the materials that were used and, and account for inflation and the cost of those materials today, we're talking about an incredibly massive, expensive, grandiose structure that was built. And God had planned it out. Remember how God gave the plans for that? Well, that's now been destroyed. That's been destroyed, and God's people now are rebuilding it here. And we see this in Ezra. We, we see some of the, as they're starting to, to lay the foundation, they're starting to rebuild this. Well, that, that's a change. You talk about a change. That's a change, isn't it? You know, we've had a change this year in where we've been able to worship. Now, we upgraded, didn't we? We upgraded from where we from where we were, but but these these were there were some people concerned about if they were upgrading or not. Let's look in Ezra chapter three. We're going to start in verse ten. When the builders had laid the foundation of the Lord's temple, let's just stop there. I can remember the first house Melissa and I bought. Are we built? Um, you know, it, it was the perfect little starter home deal, the what, little over 1,500 square feet, three bedroom, two bath. And then, you know, Johnny, they lay the slab, and so there's no walls or anything yet. It's just a slab. And I remember driving up to it, and you're excited to go see it, and it's just a slab. And I look at that, and I'm like, we are all going to live in that right there, that concrete pad. It doesn't it look, it looks so incredibly small, doesn't it? I'm like, this, I was ready to sell it. I'm like, this is incredible. We'll get it built and we'll sell it, I guess. There's no way I can live like that. That's just absolute. But it's just amazing to me how, because I'm not a builder, I mean, I'm basically an idiot. And so, so when I saw that, I think that how, I mean, I'm standing here, which is one end of the house, and like right there is the other end of the house, right there. Like I wanted to be able for, the, for people to be way far away from me when they're at the other end of the house, and they're right there. But then, you know, as the walls go up and as everything, I mean, it just becomes, I mean, it was a great, it was a great little house. Why we sold it, I still am not real sure. But still, so it's, it's interesting to me, and so that's kind of where we are here when we're building the temple. When the, the builders had laid the foundation of the Lord's temple, the priests dressed in their robes and holding trumpets, and the Levites descended from Asaph holding cymbals, took their position to praise the Lord, as King David of Israel had instructed. They sang with praise and thanksgiving to the Lord, for He is good. His faithful love to Israel endures forever. Then all the people gave a great shout of praise to the Lord because the foundation of the Lord's house had been laid. So are you, see the, you see the setting? It's a setting of what? What's happening? We're celebrating. There's a celebration here. The foundation's been laid. The temple of the Lord is being built. There are people excited. There's, there are musical instruments being played. There's dancing. There's shouting. This is an exciting time in the history of, what, of everything that's happening. Look at verse 12. But many of the older priests, Levites, and family leaders who had seen the first temple, you see the, the phrase there, who had seen the first temple wept loudly when they saw the foundation of this house. But many others shouted joyfully. The people could not distinguish the sound of the joyful shouting from that of the weeping because the people were shouting so loudly and the sound was heard far away. 
They're looking at the same foundation, looking at the same temple, and you have one group of people that are literally crying so loud and weeping so loud over what they're seeing because it's not what they used to have. And they have other groups that because we're getting a temple, the temple foundation's been laid and they are shouting and praising and both sides are so loud you can't distinguish one from the other. So how do you react to change? Do you cry over what was lost or are we going to praise over what is to come? Where would you be in this? Now, it's easy for us to just look at this and read it and say, oh, we should be with the people that are praising. Because that's the nice churchy answer, right? But remember what they had. And then I can imagine, because I think that's why it puts that in there, those who had seen the first temple. The ones that had seen the first, what was their reaction to seeing this new foundation? They weren't really excited about it, were they? Not only were they not excited, they are weeping. They're crying over what this is. Let me just ask you, where, where are you at as we close 2017? Are there some things that you're still looking back at and wishing that things were as they once were in your personal life, in your, your job, in your church, in your whatever it is. Now, we may not be crying and weeping to the extent that we see here where it's so loud that we can't distinguish the celebration from the crying. But I think it's a good time to evaluate. How are we with change? Are we wishing so badly that things were as they once were? Do we spend a lot of time talking about the good old days that we're missing what God has right in front of us? Now, I love the good old days too, whatever, you know, but the, the thing about the good old days is everybody's got a different good old days. Claire's on an Andy Griffith kick right now. I think over the Christmas break, she's watched 172 episodes. I don't know if it's really that many, but she's watched Andy Griffith. All I hear is that little whistling song in my house right now. And she talks about she'd love to live in a place like Mayberry, where everybody just knew everybody, and you just kind of, you know, and you got idiot mechanics, Gomer Pyle, and all, all of that. I mean, I guess that would be... That would be cool, and, and that, but how many of you think that that's idyllic, but how many of you would really like, how many of you get tired of that pretty quick? Let's, let's remember that the good old days, for one person, was probably somebody else's nightmare. The good old days for you might have been someone else's nightmare. So instead of trying to constantly think about how do we get back to the good old days, let's celebrate where we are. 
and look for ways that we're going to praise him moving forward. I just found this interesting, and then I want us to look at some psalms, but in just reading through that in Ezra, how this exact same foundation, nothing different happened here. But these two groups of people saw the exact same thing and had two so very different responses. And I want, I want to challenge you this morning as we close out this year to think about how you're going to respond to 2018. How are you going to respond to the changes that are coming to your, to your life, to our church in 2018? Are we going to weep for what was? Or are we going to celebrate for what's to come? Three things that believers need to, to make sure that we remember in times of change. Turn to Psalms, the book of Psalms, and we'll stay there the remainder of our time this morning. The first thing that believers need to remember as they face change is that God is good. God is good. No matter what your change is, whether it's a good change, a bad change, whatever it is that's happening in your life, know that God is good. Does it mean that everything that happens around you is good? No, there there are some bad things that happen, aren't there? The presence of sin is real. The effects of sin are real. And sometimes as believers and non-believers, we have to suffer the consequences of those effects. But it doesn't take away the fact that God is good. Look at Psalm 119, 68. Psalm 119, 68 says, You are good, and you do what is good. You are good and you do what is good. Teach me your statutes. Teach me your laws. Teach me your guidelines. Teach me your rules. Teach me your way of life. Psalm 107. Flip back a few pages to Psalm 107, verse 1. Give thanks to the Lord. For he is good. His faithful love endures forever. Psalm 34. Psalm 34 and verse 8. Taste and see that the Lord is good. How happy is the man who takes refuge in him. In 2018, when change comes, if you remember that if I, don't, if I don't know anything else, I don't know what's happening, I don't know why these things are occurring, this is not how I drew up 2018, but if you remember that, one, God is good. God is good. Second, remember that God is constant. God is good, but God is also constant. Psalm 102. 102, verse 27. 
but you are the same, and your years will never end. You're the same. Isn't that good? How comforting is that? For those of you that fear makes you nervous, that you don't like a lot of change, doesn't it bring you comfort that God is constant? That he's the same. He's not going anywhere in 2018. We don't have to worry about him leaving the scene. We don't have to worry about our Father, God the Father, passing away in 2018. Psalm 145, verse 13. Your kingdom is an everlasting kingdom. Your rule is for all generations. The Lord is faithful in all His words and gracious in all His actions. Your rule is for all generations. It means those that have long since been gone and those that are still to come. He's constant. Psalm 119, 89 Lord, your word is forever. It is firmly fixed in heaven. Your word is forever. It is not changing. It is firmly fixed. It is affixed. It is planted in heaven, never to leave, never to change, never to be added to. But Lord, it is the same. What you have said at the very beginning is what you will say at the very end. You are the same. You are constant. Now, what's important that we know about God being constant is what was the first thing I said we need to remember? That God is good. So God is good, but He's also constant, which means that He's constantly good. He's forever good. He's always has been, always is, and always will be what? Good. No matter what your 2018 looks like, He's good. He will be good. Last thing we need to remember is that he's active. Psalm 68. Psalm 68, verse 19. May the Lord be praised. Day after day, He bears our burdens. He carries our load. He picks up our burdens. He shoulders them because God is our salvation. Psalm 46, verse 1. God is our refuge and strength, a helper who is always found in times of trouble. Now, here's, here's what I think is interesting about this verse. Always found in times of trouble. Is he hiding any of the other time? No. Because he's what? He's one, good, and two, constant. So why is it that he's always found in times of trouble? Because that's when we start looking. 
But if we would look even in times of when there's not trouble, in times of, of good, he's there too. Because he's good and he's constant. And he's active. Look in Psalm 23. I love this. We're going to read the whole Psalm 23 here because I want you to, I want you to look at all the times where we see that God, that God is doing something, that he's active. The verbs here that we, that we see. Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd. There is nothing I lack. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He renews my life. He leads me along the right paths for His name's sake. Even when I go through the darkest valley, I fear no danger for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me. In the presence of my enemies, you anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Only goodness and faithful love will pursue me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord as long as I live. Look there in verse 23, all of the things that God is doing as our, as our shepherd. He's leading, he's comforting, he's helping, he's guiding, he's protecting, he's feeding. All of those things. Now, all of these work together. Number one, he's good, and he's constant, so he's constantly good. And if he's good, and he's constant, but he's also active, it means that he is actively, all the time, being good. That's who our God is. At all times, forever has been, is now, and forever will be actively working and doing good. It's not that we see these things as three separate entities or attributes of our God, but look how that they work together. Is that He is always working to do good. He's always working for our good. What kind of Inspiration, motivation, comfort, maybe even conviction, does that give us as we step into change? As we step into change of a new year, change of whatever 2018 brings us. As believers, we have to know that our God is constantly, actively, working for our good. Now the question is, are we going to be a part of that? Are we going to celebrate that and praise what it is? Or are we going to weep and cry because it's not what we want to be? Because it's not what we thought it should be or could be. Before we close, here's what I would like to do just as us to, to finish this year. And I'm going to call out each of these attributes of God. And I'd like just to have a couple of people just sing out just a one-sentence prayer. Just say out a one-sentence prayer of thanks to God for that attribute. And then I'll close this and then we'll Let's finish as we worship. Let's finish in a time of, of reflection of 17 as we worship. But maybe more importantly, 
Let's close in worship celebrating the change of 2018. Let's bow our heads.